Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I've got some exciting news to share with you all at Retrition Plus, which as many of you may know is my evidence-based supplements company. We've relaunched and there are four incredible products on offer. The Daily Vegan Multi Still, a pregnancy multivitamin and an adult's vitamin D daily spray. But here's another new one, the Kids Daily Vitamin D Drops. At Retrition Plus, of course, the approach I've always had is that it's rooted in science. It's not in fleeting trends. We will only ever partner in the fact that we want to achieve a healthier, more balanced you. We're equally passionate about the well-being of our planet. So for me, Retrition Plus is transparent. We are sustainable and responsible. You know, our approach to well-being is at the core of everything that we do. Our supplements are designed so you can live and breathe a healthy diet and balanced lifestyle. I developed this idea in lockdown i've had my children and that's where the passion i suppose really comes if you guys want to go and check out the range at retrition plus and our new products which i know are going to help so many people just head over to retritionplus.com and you can also check us out on social media at retrition plus hello welcome back to season 16 of Food for Thought. I can't actually believe it. I can't even believe we're on season 16. And I'm back in the studio here in London. It's fantastic. We've got the most incredible lineup of guests that are going to be bringing you the most fascinating conversations with nutrition, health and wellness fields. We've definitely gone above and beyond, guys, this time. I want to make sure that we have all the best information out there to equip you with the latest scientific evidence and research so you can, of course, live and breathe a healthy lifestyle, supporting you to make informed decisions because, after all, you're the ones that make the decisions with your life. A little bit about me, for those of you that don't know, I am Rhiannon Lambert, a registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author of The Science of Nutrition, many other books there too, the founder of Harley Street Clinic, Retrition, and the evidence-based supplements company, Retrition Plus. Over the next few weeks, my guests and I aim to use science-based research. So we're going to sort fact from fiction. There is an overwhelming amount of confusing health information out there. So join us to dispel everything that remains misunderstood within the world of wellness. And as always, thank you so much. Gosh, we couldn't do it without you wonderful listeners. Honestly, the messages I receive, the support, the love, it's incredible. And I can't wait to hear what you think of the new season. So let's go. 
Right. Today, we are talking to some pretty big guests. They are influencers and models who turned entrepreneurs. They've got a fascinating story to share with you today. They're CEOs of the holistic wellness tech company, Kick. That's K-I-C. Now, they're co-hosts of the Kick pod, the podcast, and authors of the book, You Take Care, which is about lessons and looking after yourself for everybody. Steph Claire-Smith, now Miller, she's recently married, and Laura Henshaw, they're two best friends based in Melbourne, Australia. They started out writing a healthy eating recipe ebook in 2015. And I have to say their business has only continued to grow. They shared with me some really, really honest, hard hitting uh, truths about their journey today, how they started with an app that was called Keep It Clean. And of course, it's Progress Further, which we will discuss in this episode. But the philosophy they've got is one that I'm actually really happy to talk about and share. Now, our conversation does cover everything. Just a little trigger warning from experience with disordered eating, eating disorders. So just in case that's triggering for you guys. But they've also got a fantastic code, Food for Thought, they'll share as well. So you can try their app for free. Right, let's get on to this conversation on rejecting diet culture and food trends and how to move well. So hello, Steph and Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, such a pleasure to find a time. I know that you were in London recently. How did you find your trip over to the UK? Oh, it was amazing. It was, um, we got back a few weeks ago now, but it was just incredible. The weather, we were so lucky. Mm. For everyone listening, we came over in the heat streak. Everyone was calling it. We, we, yeah, we were so lucky. It was amazing. Like to meet so many of our kick community members was so special. And just the actual place, like London, the parks, the shopping, like it was, it is so, it is so incredible. So we will be back. Absolutely. Yeah. It was your first time proper ex- exploring London, wasn't it, Liz? Yeah. I'd been for one day before. So it was just amazing. <laughs> That is a long way to go for one for one day before. So um, yes, <laughs> I'm glad you guys had time. So you started building this incredible community that I've seen, obviously, back in, was it 2015? Because you were, correct me if I'm wrong, you were models back then and influencers, and then you came together, you've got cookbooks. It's, it's really quite a journey. I'm wondering how on earth this all began. Give us a bit of background. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when we think about the community and where that originally started, you could say it probably started in 2011 when both of us started our profiles on Instagram, which was kind of the year a lot of people did as well. Um, And really that was, for me personally, I just started modeling. I was just out of school and it was a way that I could document, you know, to my friends and family what I was up to, who I was modeling for. And on that platform, I started to share more and more about my day-to-day life as well. And it was a very interesting time. I was following people who I'd ne- never heard of before with like 15,000 followers thinking, "How? who is this person? How have they got so many people following them? It was a very, you know, new age of Instagram, you would say. But um, both of us were really, really fortunate to grow our own personal brands uh, in those first couple of years. And by the time of 2015, um, when we did come to launch an ebook together. Um, I think our community was at about 600,000 um, between the both of us. So, but the, the years up to that point, I think um, in building the community, I think what was really special about our community was that it originally came from, um, I suppose, following our own personal lives and personal brands first. And Laura and I had both been on a bit of a journey uh, since starting Instagram with our relationship with our bodies and 
with food and exercise and being in the modeling industry, there is, you know, that extra pressure, I suppose you're on a bit of a pedestal of the way that you look, but um, even outside of that, like the pressures in society, particularly on social media um, and the fitness and wellness space online was very toxic. It's, it still is to this day, but it was very, very toxic back then. So in my personal experience, um, I was about 2014 when I moved to New York and I was full-time modeling at the time. Uh, this was probably my lowest point I had ever been in my confidence in myself and respect for my body. And it was when I would say I truly lost who I was as a person. Um, I grew up with a really healthy, balanced relationship with food and exercise. The word diet wasn't really thrown around in my household. And I thank my mum for that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the modeling industry plus being on social media with hundreds of thousands of followers that definitely made me fall down that trap of comparing myself to others and my diet to others. And, um, yeah, I became very obsessed with this idea of looking perfect. Um, and for me, that was just getting as skinny as possible for the modeling industry. Um, and, you know, doing exercises that I would dread, um, and stop eating things that I loved and restricting myself from things that I loved. So I kind of completely fell apart from my why of why I was originally moving my body and eating well. Um, and it was, it was a really horrible pattern for a couple of years. I fell out a bit of a pattern of binge eating where I would restrict myself so much from foods that I loved that I would then either overeat what I allowed myself in having, you know, three dinners and then going back for a snack and then a dessert and basically to the point of feeling sick or making myself sick almost every night and doing a lot of this in private because I was living alone in New York City. Um, and it was horrible. It was horrible for a really, really long time. But Laura and I connected on on this when we both returned home because Laura did a stint overseas as well. And I think that's one thing that we've learned is when you can kind of surround yourselves with loved ones and um, those who know you more than anyone it's a it's really nice to have that kind of support network but mm -hmm. they're not always the ones that you open up to first <laughs> no Steph thank you for sharing that first of all what a journey the fact that you girls were online I mean gosh I don't think I found Instagram world in 2016 2017 I was at university stu studying nutrition at the time and the fact you've shared so openly your experience with nutrition disordered eating as well as well as obviously finding yourself in that journey is big because I think it will help and obviously your community have found that it will help a lot of people realize you can recover that's something that in the nutrition clinic it's been it's it's lovely to see people have to have hope that recovery is totally possible but like you said who you surround yourself with the support network you have all of that really helps so Laura if you could share a little bit about your background there was it a similar journey that like Steph had, she said you worked abroad as well overseas. I went through a similar journey to Steph, but we're just obviously it's hard to think back to that point when I was so low, but I think what's come out of it with Kick, we're just so, so grateful for. But if I go back for me uh, in when I was about 20 and when I was, I went and modeled in, in Milan, I was doing my law and business degree and I had deferred uni to go and do this so interesting with modeling I feel like we think that you know going global means you'll make mm. it but my goodness me it's a reality when you when you <laughs> get over there but anyway I'd go on over to do that and because I deferred my uni and I'm I'm a type a personality like extremely disciplined and so what that meant for me is that I could apply that to my eating and control completely control in the way I exercise and everything 
And so I went over there and I wasn't skinny enough and I had, I'm super, I'm, I am really hard on myself and I put really high expectations on myself. And I kind of said, Hey, like Laura, you've come all this way over. You're, you know, you're in quotation marks, wasting this time when you could be studying and you could then, you know, be closer to becoming a lawyer, but instead you're over in Italy. So you need to, you know, make sure that your body is going to work in this industry. And so for me, it was about making my body smaller um, and I became just, and it was a kind of combination as well with social media at the time. It was, it's gone. So it's so much better now, but then it was like, there was so many diets and there are a lot of people giving like a lot of uns, like unexperienced advice on like plans and how you should eat and diets you should follow. And I would look at them and think, I want to look like them. Like if I look like them, maybe I'll, you know, be able to work in this market. And so I'll eat like they do. And I was following all these diets all at once, like these ridiculous things like raw till four and just like all of these, these things and, and vegan and, and just, it was, it was anyway, I was really controlled by it. And I, I remember this moment that I had this goal weight that I thought if I get to this weight, I'll be like, like small enough, my body mm. will be small enough to work in this market. And I was in, I was obviously in Italy. I wasn't having any pasta and pizza and, and gelato and like, you know, all of the beautiful parts of the culture. I wasn't experiencing them. I was just making my own juices um, with like a juice machine that I'd bought. Um, and I'd like taken the, I remember the day that I was going to start the juice cleanse and I hadn't eaten all day because I was just trying to get smaller and smaller. And I had to take like a two kilometer walk on these the in Milan everything's um kind of pebbly and I had my mm. trolley and like because I didn't have money for an Uber or anything so I was like trying to save money because I was just you know trying to work over there and I took all these vegetables I didn't even get fruit because I was worried about the sugar in it and I wheeled all of these vegetables back to this this apartment that I was living in and made these it was just like when I think back to like how I, but I didn't I didn't know any other way to like be, I suppose, worthy to work in, in this mm. market. And I remember I finished this stupid juice cleanse and I got to my goal weight. And mm. I thought when I got to this weight, I would be filled with so much happiness. Like all, all of my problems would be answered. It was like, then I would feel worthy. And I remember I stood on the scales, I saw the number and then I looked in the mirror and I was like, you still are not good enough. Like you're, you know, you don't have enough of a thigh gap. Like your tummy isn't what it needs to be. And I just, I, I looked at myself and I, I didn't love myself like I thought I would, which is so ridiculous that I thought a weight, getting to a weight, a number on the scales would help me love myself and build that relationship with myself. Absolutely not. But I actually just hated myself more because I was like, well, you know, you, you got here and it's not good enough. So now you have to keep going. Mm. And um, that for me, so that, that was, I came back to Australia and for, for a bit of time, I was isolated from my friends and family, because I think when you're, and it's kind of what Steph touched on when, when you're going through something like that, you, it, you feel really shameful of kind of what you're doing behind, like how you're, you know, avoiding food and you're excessively exercising. Cause I think when you really think about it, like the fact that you're avoiding going for me, I was not going to my friends and family house for dinner because I was like, I don't know how they're cooking because I would enter everything into an app, you know, and I was looking at food as a number and um, I felt you feel like really shameful about it. So then you really isolate yourself. Um, and so I kind of got to a point where I was able to, I, I almost became a little bit more conscious of like how much this this obsession was ruling my entire life. Um, and then through mm. my 
relationship with Steph as well. I knew that that Steph had been through it and um, we were at, like over time I was able to rebuild that relationship and stop thinking about, I think for me the moment when I was like, obviously it's, it's always a journey with yourself, but when I was able to stop thinking about food 24-7, it was like, it's, it's like you just now food is just a thing that fuels me during the day. Like I don't think about it as a number, but it, can, it consumed my entire being. Yeah. And did you both get, so it's very clear you both had a level of eating disorder that wasn't obviously diagnosed or shared because some of the criteria to obviously meet would be constant thoughts about shape, weight, consuming your everyday life. You can't, you know, so avoiding social situations. It just sounds like probably lots and lots and lots of women were going through the same thing at the same time as you in that industry for starters, which is shockingly awful. It was also a time where I don't think everyone was as aware of the access to social media as well at the same time. So the body ideals and the shapes in society, I can't even begin to imagine in the modeling world because I've seen a lot of models over my time, obviously, as a health professional. And it's the damage, the damage that can be done, of course, to your bone health. We're talking long term. I know, Steph, you mentioned binging, of course, heart health. There's lots of different areas here. So very serious things. Did you then get support as well at the same time? What was that light bulb moment of I need to get some support here and something to change my life? Because obviously, then we can move on to discuss how you're helping others now. Yeah, of course. I think for me, um, one moment, I, I, there was a few moments that I was having in New York where I was like, it wasn't so much I need help, but it was it was that realization that what I was doing, I couldn't continue doing and that I feel like I'd lost myself um, and that I needed to go home. And it was this big homesick feeling thinking I'll just get home and it'll all be sorted. Um, but as you would know, through helping a lot of people, you, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of those habits and thoughts um, stuck with me for a long time afterwards. But one thing that did help, I never, I suppose the person that I did reach out to quite interestingly was a personal trainer friend of mine. He's still a friend of mine to this day. He wasn't one of my closest friends. He wasn't, um, you know, yeah, by no means did I think, did I go to him because I'm like, oh, he loves me and he'll support me through anything. It was actually kind of the opposite. I didn't go to any of my close friends or family about it because as Laura said, I felt shameful about it. And I knew that he had trained other girls before um, mm. who had gone through similar things. He'd spoken to me about it. And so I knew of this and I reached out to him almost in a way to make sure that there was someone who could kind of check in on me and keep me accountable. And just, that's all he really did every week. He would just message me and see how I was going. And um, he would give me some tips and everything like that, but obviously with only the expertise that he knew and, um, but he was really just a support and someone that would, not judge me in some biased way, not just be the support or the shoulder to cry on, but try and kind of coach me through moments where I was wanting to admit that maybe I'd slipped up to someone and it wasn't, I wasn't hiding it. And I felt like I could be honest with him. So that really, really helped me. Um, interestingly enough, opening up to our community was a really, really big turning yeah. point for me. And I know it was for Laura as well. Well, the app started, didn't it start as well? So also, Laura, what you've described was what a lot of people describe that that one number stays in their head the whole lives. I still see clients into their 50s that still aspire to be that one number they picked out when they were 18, 19. So there's that side of the brain. And actually, this is equally a neurological process in the brain once a switch has been switched on. 
then it's a constant state of managing that inner voice, which is so possible. But like you said, opening up, because didn't the app, before it became, I'm going to call it Kik, is that all right, KOC? Did, didn't it used to be a clean eating app? Wasn't that how it sort of began and then the journey progressed? So when, when we started, we started in, yes, it was 2015. So Steph and I went through this journey kind of a few years be- before that. Mm. Um, and then when um, we kind of were starting to build it, especially Steph, like this very big community online. And I think it was, it, it would have been maybe around the time of the ebook or, or maybe a little bit before that, that Steph opened up about binge eating on, on our YouTube channel yeah. and, and for me too, like when I started talking, because I think because when you feel so shameful about something, you don't want to share it because it's embarrassing, but then you, because of the shame that shouldn't be associated with it, but then I think for both of us when we started talking to people about it, like for, for young women and, and non-binary people our age, it was, it, it was like almost every single person we yeah. spoke to had struggled with their body image, being fixated on a weight or like, you know, having those genes that they felt like they weren't worthy unless they could fit back into the genes they have when they were 15, which is just crazy. Like as you were talking about like that, that number that you fixate on. And so for us, when we started the ebook, the ebook launched in 2015, it launched as Keep It Clean. And um, absolutely as a brand, we have evolved since then. And, and when, but when we started, the word clean at that time didn't have the negative kind of connotations no. around it that it does now. And also we now know better. When we started, we didn't realize that the word clean could be triggering for people. And obviously, as soon as that was something that we learned and we knew, we had to evolve as a brand. So when we started um, with the ebook, the purpose of that was to bring some recipes together because at the time as well in the in Australia in the health and wellness industry, there was wellness was very small. It was mainly yeah. kind of like macro and calorie counting and like really supplement focused. Or it was like wellness, but very um, unattainable wellness, like really expensive. Superfoods. Yeah. Exactly. And so for us, we just want it. It's like there's no secret to, you know, living a healthy life or what all these things. Everyone sells secrets because then they, that's how they make money, right? But there's, it's just about com- cutting back to, coming back to basics and, you know, eating a balance, balanced meal. And so a lot of the, the food that we had in that ebook and all the recipes, they were just normal balanced recipes yeah. um, that, that were, of course, healthy, but it was just bringing it back to basics. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be about calorie counting and it doesn't have to be about like these crazy superfoods that cost, you know, $400 to make a slice when yeah. you go to the health <laughs> store. Like you want things to be accessible in the supermarket and, Anyway, so we started with the ebook, um, and then um, I mean, I think Steph will talk to our journey a little bit more. But in terms of the name change for us, so we've, we're now Kick yeah. um, with the ebook went from Keep It Clean. Then we launched a program as Keep It Cleaner, and then we this year, at the start of this year, we we changed our brand to Kick, who we, we've been affectionately known as for such a long time. But that was a really important thing for us because as a brand, and now with the app and, and what we do and the tech that we've built. We're, we've created this platform where we're able to, and our mission with Kick is to change people's relationship that they have with themselves and wellness because they obviously, as you know, so with your work, like it, it comes together, right? And we felt like, like in our industry as well, like there's, there's lots of fantastic apps out there, but a lot of them kind of 
prey on this messaging of like, it's about how you feel and whatever. It's not about how you look, but then you go into the app and you have to measure yourself and you have to weigh yourself and you have to do a transformation photo and all of those things. And for us at Kik, like we we don't do that. We're not about, it's not about measuring outcomes on the scales or the way that you look. Because for Steph and I, that's what sent us down this path of like losing ourselves. And so the reason we wanted to to move to kick is because obviously we've learned the word clean was um, triggering for some people and we wanted to move away from that um, and be able to be bolder in, in what the, what we did. And so we felt that kick is the brand that we were able yeah. to, to do that under if, if yeah. No, sense. I think it's fantastic. Obviously, I did a lot of research on you girls before. I've I've seen you online around and I wouldn't obviously have this chat with you if I didn't believe in what you do. And I it's thing is it does have the influence to change lives though that's what's so fascinating about it and I think welcoming for so many people is the fact you do have an honest anecdotal side but you've also called on experts haven't you as well on the app as well to contribute and I think for me that's so so nice to see as well and I love the fact that you take the focus away from the numbers. You're both very, very transparent about everything. So, yeah, Steph, if you could explain the different pillars and the way that you've devoted, I suppose, both of your works. I cannot imagine how hard I find it hard enough writing books. How hard is it to develop an app? <laughs> this blows my mind. <laughs> Well, I mean, first of all, we've not done it alone. We, we, I mean, we currently have a team of 20 and it hasn't always been that big. Um, so there was times where we wore a lot of, a lot more hats, I suppose. Um, but it's, so the pillars, I'll, I'll start with the pillars. So basically we, we try and um, make sure that we approach uh, healthy living in a very holistic way. So movement, mindfulness and meals for us um, is basically your recipes, um, your exercise and um, your meditations or soundscapes, affirmations, so your mental health. And then a big part of what we do at Kick is also through connection, through community. Um, you know, a lot of people come into Kick and they are then met with this beautifully supportive community where they are surrounded with like-minded individuals who are on the same journey that they are. Um, they'll come to our events by themselves knowing that they're in a really safe space or that they'll probably leave with two or three friends mm-hmm. afterwards. And that's really, really special to us too because, I mean, under the health umbre- umbrella, connection is definitely um, there. Human connection is absolutely there. So that's something that we're looking to continue to, to um, nurture as well. And they're literally the reason why we exist. Our community, we, we wouldn't have an app if we didn't have a community. And so often when we're looking at building on our content or our features, we go straight to them to, to know what they're needing, what they're wanting. Um, so under movement, um, we've got 14 different trainers. Um, we've got lots of different workout types, dance, cardio, yoga, hit, strength, boxing, running, because we know that everyone likes different things and if you want to stay motivated and actually sustain a routine it's got to be something you enjoy exercise is not a punishment that's something that we learned the hard way um and for a lot of people unfortunately they they do they only see exercise as a punishment for something that they've eaten or because they have to do it um whereas we like to look at it in a way that it's it should be celebrated if you're able to move your body absolutely move it. I mean, speak to anyone that whether it's through, um, you know, just a short illness or someone that maybe had had once had an ability and, and don't, oh, yeah. that is the one thing that they, they wish that they could do again is to move their body and stuff like that. So absolutely celebrate it. And it's a really big, 
it's a really big thing um, as well for your mental health is what we've found is especially once you find a really good routine and you find exercise that you enjoy. Um, you know, right now I'm, I'm a bit ill, so I haven't been able to move my body as much as I usually would this last week. And it's crazy how much it's affecting my mental health, just, Whoa. you know, yeah. clarity wise and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you find these other reasons why it matters outside of whatever it does to your body aesthetically. And that is the magic. And that is what we try and encourage people to do through kick. And that's the most beautiful thing we see as well. in the testimonials that do come through from the mm-hmm. community is that, they might have tried different things before and their goals might have been to lose weight or to put on muscle. Like they might have been aesthetic to begin with, but because they've enjoyed themselves so much along the way and they've been able to sustain it longer than they have anything else, their why changes to a lot more of a sustainable and holistic reason, which is so beautiful. Um, and then with the meals, I mean, so we've got, I think like over 800 dietitian approved recipes in the app now. We literally adding two new recipes every single week. Um, and they're very, they're, they're very much, I mean, what Laura said earlier, back to basics, it's, it's what you grew up with. Um, it's also jumping on some of the fun trends as well, like that people are doing like those like sushi plates and everything. Cause why not? Um, it's making dinners super easy to create in one pan, less dishes because no one likes doing dishes. Um, and it's just teaching people to take things back to basics and not have to go to a superfood store to buy all their ingredients. It's not just gluten-free or it's not just vegan. We've got all of those dietary options for those who do, you know, live a pescatarian or a vegetarian or, um, vegan lifestyle. That's totally fine. We've got those options, but it's not like, it's not just one way, you know, we've, yeah. we've got it there for everyone. Um, so yeah, we're really, really proud of our offering. Um, and then outside of those things, we have features like a run tracker, run programs, different programs based off different fitness goals. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think if I've missed anything Oh, and, it, and a pregnancy offering as well. So for that yes. phase in your life, when you do go through <laughs> pregnancy or postpartum, we're there to support them through that. And not in a way that, you know, um, makes them feel like, especially in that postpartum period, that they've got to bounce back because we hate the bounce back culture. It's so against it. Um, We think mothers should be celebrated and there's absolutely nothing wrong with looking like a mum. And also just it's more about building back up your pelvic floor and your deep core muscles before getting back into, you know, regular exercise. Absolutely. So what you've basically described to me, girls, which I love, is the fact that it's the why, you know, you've opened up people's eyes in in a way as well, which is so nice and refreshing to see that exercise is for mental health. It's not just for aesthetic goals. There's, And it is a privilege. I really, really like that you both understand the fact that being able to exercise is a privilege. You know, like you said, some people cannot. There's a world that the world is actually, as much as it's an amazing place, it can be a very cool place. And we are so fortunate to have access to food, to have access to movement and apps like yours, and they should be utilized. I completely agree. The fact that you can't judge a book by its cover is something I feel very strongly about. Um, And I'm sure you girls have experienced perhaps, but it doesn't matter what size or shape you are, everybody has their own journey with these elements of what we describe as wellness. And, um, you know, personally, I've got two under three at the moment, and I'm that classic person that says, I don't have time to exercise, but it's because I haven't prioritized it. I am working away. And to be honest, I'm lucky if I fit one in a week at the moment, I'm working up on that. People may look at me and think, oh, she's very slim. She eats well. My pelvic floor mm. needs work. So, you know, these are all, you cannot judge a book by <laughs> yeah. its cover. 
Laura, I'm sure that you have equally seen as well from experience, uh, A, from your previous career, but from the app as well. You've probably seen Steph go through a huge journey with motherhood as well. So I want to ask you both as a supportive friend equally, because this is what I find really important helpful it's very rare for women when they have a baby or their life changes overnight to maintain certain friendships but equally to have it understood and respected and supported so I know you're a mum to Harvey how old is Harvey now Steph uh almost two and a half almost a beautiful age and well they've become their own little person it's fascinating time and Laura I'd love to know first from you which you probably might surprise you probably used to people going oh Steph how's motherhood I want to know as a friend just as much then I'll hear it from Steph as well how it's opened maybe your eyes to the world of people's challenges perhaps Oh, I mean, it's been it's been a journey, and, and Steph and I, Steph and I talk about this all the time. And I think what's amazing with the way that Steph has shared her journey as well is that she's so open about the most, you know, the most amazing parts of it, and having this beautiful relationship with this person that gives you this another meaning for your life that you never knew was there, and that's so special. But then also that it's really hard, mm. and it's hard to balance, and it's it puts pressure on you, and it's not every it's not like this shiny thing that if you have a child, like everything, all your dreams come true, and it's the end. It's like you have to finding balance is difficult, and so I think it's amazing for like for the, what Steph's done for like so many working mums, and with with Steph, like her husband Josh is a stay at home dad, and I think that's um, been so incredible for Steph to kind of really talk about that a lot um, and show that that's possible if like people want to do that in in their family um, but I, I think for me in terms of the, our, our journey when Steph actually had Harvey was um, very what Steph was it still COVID yeah it was still COVID we're in lockdown yeah, so, so it's no crazy. So I, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we went through these huge changes of like we came out of this, and it's so interesting. I think there was an article was in the in the cut about this for a lot of uh, like for me, like I don't have kids, but I feel like we lost these two years of our lives mm. that then we came out, and for a lot of us, like me, it's like shit. My biological clock is ticking, and like there's nothing you can do about it, and it's like oh, I don't feel ready now. Um, yeah, because it's like it's, two years of our twenties were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and so I think it's like our lives changed so much through COVID and then obviously with Steph having Harvey there, it's just like you can't, I just can't imagine not having like Harvey not being a father now. Um, and I think if anything, it's it's probably, um, it's definitely like pushed us to be like, and I know from like from Steph, I think one thing that was really interesting was like Steph around your relationship with your body and just like what I saw in Steph was just this change of like you obviously you've always appreciated it but I feel like Steph the way that you now speak to and feel about the appreciation you have for your body as like this home for this person that you created as opposed to like caring about what it looks like in any way not that you did before anyway but it's just like this new level of appreciation Mm. and that's like the most special thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. You've also just touched on a point that actually I don't think gets enough airtime in that for those of you, obviously COVID impacted every single person, something in their life. But I've never actually spent as much time thinking about the fact that for those in their 20s, of course, if you're studying or different areas, it was two years of your life that you feel you're then making up for. for women with biological clocks, or you're aware because the conversation is happening about it a lot more. You are aware of those things. And there's a subliminal... uh, pressure or 
that, that, let's be honest, it's there and it's like an elephant in the room. It's like no one really wants to mention it or wants to touch on it. It is sensitive, but equally, it is important that women are just kinder to one another and talk about this and support one another through these times because yes motherhood is the hardest thing in the world and the greatest thing in the world but equally not knowing when that will be for you or if you want to or if you don't want it is equally as challenging and mentally difficult to navigate Steph how have you found obviously yeah I mean how have you found that for Laura seeing that side of the dynamic equally but also becoming a working mum is an absolute juggle and a half yeah <laughs> yes it is um well I mean so for me I I knew I I knew I wanted to be a mum and I knew I wanted to be one early honestly the thing that stopped me from doing it any earlier was modeling um and I just I, there was just a big part of me even growing up that was super maternal um so I was very excited about that and I'd also originally before COVID, my husband and I had talked, we were planning on going to Italy for our honeymoon and we were going to be away for a month. And we were like, maybe that's when we'll start trying. Like we both felt really ready. And then COVID happened. So Italy didn't happen, but we still, the, the one thing that hadn't changed was our yearning to be parents. Um, so we kind of were like, well, we can't go to Italy, but why don't we still try it? for a baby um and so we did and then it happened and COVID lasted a whole lot longer than any of us thought it would so pretty much my whole pregnancy I was in lockdown so a lot of my friends maybe saw me pregnant once um and it was like yeah. they saw me from not being pregnant to then having this huge belly and then a child um you know so that was really interesting thing to navigate in itself um but I think what happened through that time was and we were very lucky with our business as well that we were able to continue working through that time because obviously not everyone was. Um, so I was busy throughout my pregnancy working from home. Our team was still busy doing that. Um, and then from there, I suppose afterwards, then going into my version of mat leave, I suppose, which I when you own a business, um, don't get one. <laughs> it's different and that's fine. Um, I did get one from, I suppose, the aspect of like our, what our day-to-day in the office with the team entails like those kind of responsibilities I I definitely did have a break from um but when you have a product that you love so much like you don't stop creating content for it you don't stop selling it we had events we had shoots we had the podcast that we were recording and obviously I wanted to know what was going on so luckily my best friend is my business partner and would be able to give me some high level updates as well um which I think is also it's been really interesting because now when we do have even our own teammates go on maternity leave, um, it's a really interesting thing that we like to have an open conversation about because I think as well when you have such a long break away from a company, there's so much that can change, um, you know, in processes, in who's even working in the team um, and all of that sort of stuff. So it's it's really different from, for, from women to women, like how much time they want to have out off in that time that they want to have off. Do they want absolutely no contact at all or do they want to be kept up to date? Like all of that sort of stuff. It's really interesting because I think for me, being able to know what was still going on, it, it meant that when I did, you know, go back to three days and then four days and then full time, I was eased back into it and I wasn't yeah. kind of like blindfolded at all or anything like that. Because, so, you know, was- we have to remember that every woman has a different experience in pregnancy, right? Some are... Um, exactly. I know we have a mutual friend, Chessie, she had it really bad. You know, she had to go on drips and she had um, 
uh, hyperemesis, you know, it, it, there's different conditions. And I think that's fantastic that you were eased slowly back into it. Um, it kind of leads me on to a few questions, if you don't mind me ejecting from our listeners, because I want to get them in for them, because I promise before we... Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, right. Um, let's go. Right. Let me ask this one to Laura, because I think you've probably experienced this as much as something that perhaps you get asked on the app a lot. So Tia has said, is it always best to exercise fasted? Um, I do intermittent fasting and exercise before eating. And I've always heard mixed information. Uh, I mean, I'm not a dietitian, so I can't answer it in that way. But I think something that I, in a lot of, with our community that we speak to, and with intermittent fasting, if it works for you and you wake up and you're not hungry and you go for your exercise and you, like, for example, for me, I can't eat in, at 6am in the morning when I exercise. So I have a coffee and then I'll exercise and then I'll eat after that. That works for me. It doesn't impact my workout. I don't feel tired. I'm not thinking about food, starving, waking up starving because I eat a little bit later, I would say, like in the night. But it, so if that's you, just like you, you shouldn't, if it does, if it feels good, like if you wake up in the morning and someone says to you like, oh, you should eat before you train, but you're not hungry and you feel sick if you've eaten and then you can't train properly, that's not working for your body, right? And so it's the same thing the other way around. Like when I speak to people that have tried intermittent fasting, if it feels like a diet and you're starving and you're looking at the clock and you're like, I can't eat until 12 o'clock and, and you, you, you know, you're not focused in your morning meetings and then you get to 12 and you're just having to eat so much because you've been starving. That doesn't work for your body. Mm-hmm. It's like it just comes back down to, and obviously, Rhiannon, you'd be able to speak to this so, so well, but it's like listen to your body. If you don't want to eat before exercise, don't eat. If you want to eat before exercise, eat. It's not, I, I, I know, there's, there's obviously all the science that goes towards like your, your metabolism and all those things, but I think what it comes down to is like what works for you and what feels good in your body and you're the only person that knows it. No, I I think you answered that wonderfully. People want to hear what you guys think about it. And ultimately, yeah, the only research we have of intermittent fasting, apart from a rodent study, sadly, is that it's energy balance. You know, it's what you eat, it's how much you burn. There's no miracle. There's no miracle to it. That that's the bottom line. I think a lot of people read it and think, oh, this is the secret to healing my gut, or this is the secret to boosting my metabolism. You cannot do those things. I think that was a fantastic answer. Um, There's no secrets. Truly, no, no, with anything, it's so true. And I think that's what drives me a bit crazy in my kind of world that people expect these miracle statements and these fantastically, you know, saucy things on TikTok. And it's just, it doesn't exist. That's why, um, yeah, we all don't do them. Anyway, the next question, um, Tammy, she said, I'm pregnant and I'm confused about how much I should be working out. Um, Is this something that you can help me with? Steph, do you want to go with that one? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we hear this a lot in our community as well. And it's very much along the same lines. Like it's it's tuning into your own body and obviously knowing that everybody's, everybody's pregnancy is so, so different. Um, as you said, Chessie with hyperemesis and, and, you know, I've had another girlfriend with HG. There is no way in hell she would have been able to move her body. She couldn't keep anything down for like 15 weeks of her pregnancy. So absolutely zero expectation on her doing anything but sitting on the couch. Um and for me, I was super, super lucky. I was very, very well throughout my pregnancy, other than having like some hip issues towards the end, which sadly meant that I couldn't walk more than one kilometer a day, which killed me because walking was the only thing that got me through COVID. Um, 
that was all that I had. And I'm so grateful for that because I've heard so many other stories. But what that meant was I was able to stay with a pretty pretty similar routine really to what my body was used to. And that's what we like to say. And that's what a lot of our experts, you know, who have done our programs and everything like that do tell our um, community is whatever your body is used to prior to pregnancy. So if you're a runner, um, you know, there is nothing really stopping you from, from trying running out while you're pregnant. If your body is used to running, try running out, obviously get an expert's opinion if you feel like anything is uncomfortable um, or doesn't feel right and definitely listen to your body. For me, I had to completely avoid any HIIT training, um, anything that really lifted my heart rate up super high because I got me really faint. Um, so I just stuck to Pilates and strength training. Um, and then there's obviously there's some different exercises that you should avoid. Again, speak to an expert to, to tell you those, but anything that really crunches in your abdominals and everything like that. But Really, it comes down to whatever feels good, depending yeah. on your pregnancy, depending on how much energy you have and what your body was used to prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting a gist here. You see everyone listening. It's all, you are unique. It really <laughs> is dependent on you, I think. And I had the same, by the way, my pregnancy pelvic girdle pain was debilitating for me. Oh. Uh, I also <laughs> had to stick to Pilates. The pain when you sit on the sofa in different positions and walking was was tough. Um, so yeah. I can emphasize there. Okay, last question from listeners and then we'll move on to fact or fiction round. Let's do this one because I think this is quite interesting. Um, Tim, Tim's question, I work crazy hours, sometimes end up exercising or going to the gym late at night or even really, really early in the morning. Is that going to be bad for me? I think, I think the thing, I mean, it's like obviously movement is so important for us and being sedentary for our overall health is not it's not good for our mental health or our physical health movement is very important so I think it's amazing first of all Tim that you're finding the time to move your body in your really yeah. really busy schedule but I think what's really important is making sure you're choosing the right movement in what again it comes back to listening to your body what your body needs because I know when I go through really busy hours with work if I wake up earlier and I'm cutting down on my sleep. Like I find yeah. that sleep is the most important thing for me. So I like, to, I really try to get seven to eight hours. So if I cut my sleep down to like only getting six, that then I'll feel horrible the whole day. So if I force myself to do a workout, especially if it's like a HIIT workout and I'm already feeling stressed. So I've already got high cortisol levels. Then I go do this HIIT workout and it's like loud music and it's intense mm. that I will finish that and I won't feel better for moving. Mm. I'll actually feel more on edge for moving. And so it's what I find is really important is making sure that it doesn't matter what time of the day you exercise. No, Again, there's no yeah. secrets. Like if you exercise at this time, it's going to make it. I don't believe in any of that. Just whatever works for you. Um, but just making sure that you are listening to your body and you're not, if you've had a really long day at work, like going and doing a really long strenuous exercise is probably not the best thing for you. So making sure you're listening and, and doing what you need in that time might be yoga, might be Pilates might be a slow run instead of like doing sprints, whatever it is, just really making sure you're tuning into that. Cause yeah, if you overstress yourself, it doesn't, doesn't help either. I thought that was a fantastic answer. And, you know, there is a, there's a lot of research out there to suggest working within circadian rhythms. So, you know, when, when it starts to get dark at night or your body clock changes, and then like you mentioned with cortisol, the hormone, you know, we know that we shouldn't be spiking that further. And of course, when we exercise, we're secreting more of that from our adrenal glands anyway. So it can have a knock-on effect on depletion of nutrients. So that was a fantastic answer. So we move on to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Ready. <laughs> 
Right, here we go. Question one. Being healthy is just about eating well and exercising regularly. Fiction. Fiction. Oh, oh geez, I should have been quicker on that. I was like, you know why? Because I was thinking true or false. <laughs> yeah. Do you, everyone does that. Everybody does that. That's fine. Okay. Number two, you must follow a strict exercise plan to maintain good fitness. Fiction. Fiction. Okay. Number three, the gym is the best place to exercise. Fiction. Fiction. Anyone can experience poor body image. Fact. Fact. Your weight is the main indicator of your health. Fiction. Instagram and TikTok are the best places for your health advice. Fiction. <laughs> fiction. 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 That is the <laughs> boldest fiction ever. Yes. Um, everyone should try meditation. Uh, fact. Oh, I, I think it only if they want to. I think you should yeah, try it. And that? then if you don't Faction. like it, don't do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one scientist came on, Dr. Uh, David Robert Grimes, and he, he created, yeah, he said faction to one, which I thought was quite clever. Um, right. Uh, there is only one way to eat well. Fiction. Fiction. Now, making time for friendships and relationships is just as important as looking after your body. Fact. And finally, coffee is better in Australia. Oh, fact. fact. 100%. <laughs> I was having Starbucks in London and I never drink Starbucks in Australia. No, it was because, like, at least Starbucks was consistent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well done. That was fantastic. I won't go down the coffee um, rabbit hole because there's a lot we could discuss there. But we, um, <laughs> we finished the episode with a food for thought, of course, a take-home message at the end, and I'll kickstart by saying... What a pleasure it is, obviously, for me to see that people like yourselves are out there doing your bit, making a difference and being so transparent. And one thing that you both touched on, actually, which is really important to the Food for Thought listeners, is that, of course, you are unique, but everybody has a unique relationship with their body, with their food, with their wellness, with the way they approach life. You know, wellness to one person could be, I ate one more portion of greens this week. To someone else, it could simply be, I managed to eat three meals this week. Or someone else, I actually planned my shop and saved money. I could afford to eat well this week. So wellness covers a whole spectrum from people from different backgrounds, ethnicities, lifestyles. And I love that you've got something that's so accessible. Um, I'd love to hand over. I actually want to talk about coffee, but I'm trying to like push it back out of my... Um, <laughs> my sphere right now because obviously I know you visited Daisy Green and my friend Prue um came over here and she's that's an Australian chain and it's fantastic it's one of my favorite places to eat um in London I'm so glad you went um right well, what Zana, is your Zana took us there was it Zana <laughs> it yeah yeah so she's yeah, loved yeah. it as well from day one and Prue's just smashed it anyway um shout out to Prue so what would be your take-home message today girls I don't know who wants to go first Oh, okay. My take-home message would be fit for anyone listening to know that it, it's a journey. And I think sometimes when um, you hear people that, and, and Sefer and I, when, when I say we're at the end of our journey, is that we've, we've rebuilt that relationship we have with food and exercise. And there's days, of course, we have days where we both feel like shit. Or like for me, like I, I will like start doing body checking and things. And I'm like, oh no, that that's, that's what, how I used to think. Um, and I, I want to change that. And so I feel like we're more towards the end of it in that it's not controlling our lives anymore. Yeah. But 
it is a journey and it didn't, it wasn't like one snap thing. And then it, you know, all of a sudden everything, I, we were able to rebuild the relationship. Like it takes so much time. And the most important thing is being kind to yourself along the way. And you just need to take small steps to get there, but you can. And if you're in a place where, you know, your the exercise and food is controlling your whole mind, like it, you can, you will, and you can get out of there, but you, you have to take steps to be able to do it and take it slow. Um, and you've got this because it can be a really dark place when you're in it and it can feel like it's impossible to get out of. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I, I couldn't have said it better. I think the, the only thing I had, and this will only, you know, this is only going to kind of suit a certain amount of listeners, but I think for those that it speaks to, it really will. But I even thought just the other day, just looking at my pantry, the amount of, you know, delicious food that I have there that is absolutely processed, you know, like it's like marvelous creations, chocolates, you know, Maltesers and everything, ice cream in the freezer. There's no way I would have been able to have any of that in my kitchen when I was at my lowest point because I would not have been able to control myself and I would have demonized it to the nth degree and I would have made myself feel incredibly bad for even thinking about eating it. And so I just, for anyone that is at this point where you feel like you have to completely avoid food um, because it has this control over you, there is absolutely light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel, you can get help and you absolutely can start your journey. And there will be a day where you can be around it. You can walk up to the chocolate bar, break a few squares off and walk off. And even if you do go back and eat half the block later, you're not going to beat yourself up for it because that's life. Um, And I just, yeah, for me, it's like, it's taken a long time, but I'm so happy I'm there. Oh, girls. No, it's so true. There is help out there if you need it. I'm sure there are different charities for that as well. In Australia over here, it would be Reach Out to Beat, which is our eating disorder charity in the UK. If anybody can't afford, obviously, to book into clinic or even afford an app, um, that's, you know, a really good resource for people listening. Now, for our listeners today, where can they go? I'm sure they all know, but where can they go to find out more about you? And of course, just a reminder to everybody, this journey started for these wonderful ladies very early on it's not an overnight success they've put a lot of years and graft and work and a lot of people may look at things online and think oh you know that's just happened overnight a lot of graft came in here so where can people learn more about you and your resources thank you thank you so much and first thank um thank you for having us on the podcast and and for connecting it's what the work you do is incredible and we're we're so grateful to to chat to you um if anyone does want to find out more about kick you can search us on our website kickapp.com on instagram kick.app and then in the app store if you search for kic you'll find us on there and if you do want to give it a go we've got a free month trial for um all of your listeners if you want only if you want to uh, give (laughs) give kick a go so if you enter the code food for thought and we'll put the um all of the details in the show notes as well if that's okay so people can find it you have to enter the code through the website and then you download the app um, and you can try it for a month for free fantastic food for thought everyone pop the code on in you get a month's free it's going to be an amazing journey and it looks like there's so much fun stuff to try on there it doesn't have to be one type of workout there's loads of 800 recipes you say there's a lot of choice there yeah there's a lot (laughs) ladies thank you so so much for coming on food for thought today and being amazing honest inspiring guests thank you so much for having us right 
that's it. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you will love what we have coming up in future episodes, I have no doubt. So if you're not already, you just have to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. So this means you get a little notification bell. I wish I'd known about it earlier. So you don't miss out on the new episode and it comes out every single Monday. We've been doing Mondays since the start of Food for Thought. We're now on Series 16. There is a lot of misinformation out there and I really hope that we're continuing to bring you the latest research along with our special guests to ensure that you're just getting the best experience possible. So if you are enjoying our episodes and you're learning lots, then please do leave us a review or get in touch. This will help enormously and ultimately help us reach more people and make sure we're doing the right thing by you and giving you the right information. So if you want to learn more about the best-selling books, the clinic, perhaps you need to book in to see one of our fantastic clinicians or to find out more about Retrition Plus, you can find everything you need to know on retrition.com and you can follow, of course, me on Retrition on all social media platforms. Yes, I'm even on TikTok now, guys, so you can head over there and check it out. 